In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Deb, for those of you that don't know me. Uh, I'm part of the team of preachers here at the table, and I'm also on staff as the Director of Discipleship, and it is my joy to be able to proclaim good news to us today. And the good news for us this morning is this. Because of what God has done in Christ, God's forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation is poised and ready to be poured out on us. Therefore, we can come out of hiding. We can name where we really are, trusting that God waits patiently for us there, ministering communion and love right in the middle of our messy reality. So this Lent... Let us embrace telling the truth about ourselves and about our world. Today is the third Sunday of Lent. We're about halfway through to Easter, so it's kind of a halfway check-in time, half time. (laughs) Uh, Our passages today embody the Lenten themes of self-examination and repentance, confession, reconciliation, and prayer. A few weeks ago at our table group, which are some of our smaller groups that meet, we eat together, pray together, kind of do life together. It was a beautiful warm day, unlike today. Uh, We were having dinner outside, we were having a fire pit, very unusual, but uh, we were having a conversation just around a couple questions. One of them was, how or what has your relationship or history been to Lent? And the second was, how has that affected how you're engaging with it this year? And it was so interesting to hear everyone's responses. Some of us had no experience with Lent before at all. We didn't grow up in churches that practiced it, um, so it was very new. Some of us had a rich history with Lent. It's been a meaningful time and one that's been explained. And so it's been a time of slowing down and making room. Others of us had a negative relationship to Lent, mostly because of growing up in shame-filled and toxic spirituality. And it's been a real struggle this season. I describe myself as kind of being a flip-flopper when it comes to Lent. Half the time, I feel like I'm being triggered. I've got like this overactive spiritual gag reflex that goes into overdrive. The other half of the time, I feel like it's opening up this wide new space, bringing me deeper into a place of wholeness and healing. See, I grew up Catholic where faith practices were not really explained. Church was just something we did on Sunday. And for us, Lent simply meant that we didn't eat meat on Fridays for some reason. And the image that I inherited was of a God who really was kind of a spiritual tyrant. He was a God who uh, was severe and perfectionistic, full of threats demands that we acknowledge our wretchedness, confessing our unworthiness, groveling and begging for mercy. And only then would God pour out love on us. 
but even then kind of reluctantly, was this transactional life with God. And today I'm noticing that I'm still shedding those images from my mind and my body. I really appreciated what Ben shared a few weeks ago when he was preaching, just that Lent can be complicated. And I just want to name that again for those who feel that tension too. Lent can be complicated. Because some of us have inherited toxic and shame-filled spirituality. We were told that the best way to get close to God is to prove to God how we know how bad we are, and so we got to be hard on ourselves because the worse that you feel, the better that you're doing. And those messages were sometimes even weaponized by those in power. So of course Lent can feel confusing and triggering because it can feel just like this shame-filled time of self-hatred. Why would anyone want to go there? And for me in that place, because it's confusing, I notice that sometimes I avoid and sometimes I hide. In the midst of all of that confusion and pressure, I'm afraid of rejection, of condemnation. But friends, what if this year could be a time of reclaiming Lent for our bodies and our world that's good news? What if this Lent could be a time of slowing down and of opening up to new experiences based on what's real, based on love? What if this Lent could be a time of unlearning and shedding those toxic paradigms that we've inherited? Let's take a minute to turn to the text now where we see our good news revealed. These passages are giving us a picture of what's waiting for us this Lenten season. Forgiveness, healing, reconciliation. In the psalm passage, we get this beautiful picture of the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. It says, when I kept silent and didn't name the truth about myself because of fear, when I hid from reality, my bones wasted away. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. But then I let it all out, and the pressure was gone My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. We're shown here a picture of how when we confess, when we come out of hiding, God himself becomes our only hiding place. And it's there that God protects us from trouble and surrounds us with songs of deliverance. So we see in this passage how in this Lenten season, we find forgiveness waiting for us. In James, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I don't know if anybody's good at sound effects here, but this would be great, Joel. Be a great time for like a sound effects button so that like cars screeching sound, the brakes, yeah, or a record scratching sound. <laughs> because it's here that one of, the, one of the places where I notice the triggering. I love the healing bit at the end. Love the healing bit at the end. (laughs) 
But for me, confess your sins is loaded. And all those images come rushing back. But I've been learning to pay attention to those moments. Instead of avoiding or hiding, to breathe and ask myself, what am I feeling? And what's going on under the surface here? Because, friends, part of the good news today is that confession is simply naming where we're at. It's naming reality. It's naming what's real about us in the world. Now, not everything we confess is sin, but some of it is. So confession might be naming where I'm triggered. Or perhaps it's naming the places where I've not walked in love. Maybe where I've hurt others. Where I've been silent when I should have spoken up. But it's telling the truth about our messy reality. That's all it is. And trusting the God who is love meets us there in reality. This is why we intentionally pray the prayer of confession each week. We have that practice built in where we say, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. By those direct things and those indirect things. Because it's a reminder that because of what God has done in Christ, because of love, we don't have to hide. This is part of living in the kingdom now. We can say what's really going on. We can confess our sins, name reality, because we know that love meets us there. And you know, it's interesting to me, too, that confession is a communal act. It's not something that you can do by yourself. You do it with someone else, whether it's with God or with another person. But it's a connecting act. We confess for connection, for forgiveness, for help, for healing, for understanding. Those in the 12-step program know this very well. They begin every single meeting with a confession of reality. Hi, my name is Joe. I'm an alcoholic. There's no merit gaining in this act. It's just entering into a relationship of connection and support with those in the circle. That's all it is. Where there's cleansing and healing and the reminder that we're not alone. Willard writes about confession. We lay down the burden of hiding and pretending, which normally takes up such a dreadful amount of human energy. We are engaged and engage in the most profound depths of the soul. Now, for just a minute, I promise, can I geek out with you all but for just a minute? I promise it won't be long. Okay. Some of you know I'm in school right now. Um, I'm finishing up my degree in psychology. And come January, Lord have mercy, I'll be starting my master's in counseling. So... (laughs) I recently finished up a class, though, called Emotional Intelligence. If you ever have the opportunity to take a class or read a book on this, please do. It's amazing. And guys, I could geek out way too long about this. I promise I'll be brief. So I was noticing something in my class. 
Science is discovering these same dynamics about confession and healing. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you can name it, you can tame it? Researchers are finding that naming or labeling an emotion is itself a form of regulation. There are physiological changes that occur when we name reality. We are seeing from neuroscience and brain imaging that just naming an emotion deactivates the amygdala, which is the area deep in your brain that's activated when you feel a negative emotion. It deactivates your amygdala and activates your prefrontal cortex, which is the area that supports emotion regulation. So naming the emotion changes our chemistry. This dynamic is built into our bodies. In addition, our tears actually carry stress hormones out of our body. Other hormones are released in our tears that help us feel better. Our bodies were created to support the truth of confess your sins so that you may be healed. (laughs) Blows my mind. (laughs) Okay. End rant. (laughs) So, in this Lenten season, we find healing waiting for us. Finally, in our Gospel and Old Testament passages, we see themes of restitution, reparations, and reconciliation. Now, side note, these passages have been turned into legalism by some. And it's important to say that these verses are dealing with justice and power issues to those who are abusing power and perpetuating injustice. Notice Jesus' description of reconciliation. It puts the onus on the one who knows someone has something against them. It's the one who wronged or is accused of wrong rather than the one who has been done wrong. It's a disruption of a power curve. And when Jesus is talking about anger, it's not anger in and of itself. He's not saying don't be angry, which is the message that a lot of us have gotten. Rather, he's talking about relationship-destroying anger. And there's a big difference. Anger is a healthy emotion to have. It's part of the six core emotions. It shows us when we are perceiving an injustice happening. And we have this emotion system for a reason. Because it signals to us valuable information. So here in these passages, we see how we're called to reconciliation for the times that we have not walked in love, where our anger has gone beyond and has harmed our relationships and our connections. And it's also about confessing and naming where we see systems of injustice and abuses of power in this world. Because all of our lives are interconnected. So it's calling us to name those systems that we are caught up in, where we have participated knowingly and unknowingly. So in this Lenten season, we find reconciliation waiting for us. We find forgiveness waiting for us. We find healing waiting for us. And we find them because of what God has done in Christ. They are poised and ready to be poured out on us Therefore, we can come out of hiding and name where we really are 
trusting that God waits patiently for us there, ministering communion and love right in the middle of our messy reality. So this Lent, let's embrace truth-telling about ourselves and about the world. So how are you doing this Lenten season, halfway to Easter? Where do you find yourself today? Do you feel yourself avoiding or hiding? Do you maybe feel fearful of rejection or condemnation? Maybe you feel overwhelmed too by the triggering moments. At the table, we're a community of people struggling forward together, attempting to be where we really are, with each other and with God. In the midst of our fears of rejection and condemnation, we can embrace truth-telling, naming where we really are, confessing our sins to each other, because we're not begging for a drop of mercy from an unsympathetic ruler. It's not about proving to God how bad we are. We're asking a gracious and compassionate God to do the thing that he delights in doing in the first place. God is poised to pour it out upon us. He's on his tiptoes, waiting, ready. So when you have trouble rectifying these images that are perhaps in conflict with each other in your mind, I want you to just notice the emotion, to name it. Notice what's coming up. Be curious about it. It's what my emotional intelligence class calls being an emotion scientist versus an emotion judge. Trust that in that space, love is at work, helping you to shed these old paradigms. So today, I invite you, friends, to come and walk with me, struggling forward together in this Lenten season, in this time of making space, of slowing down, and of shedding old paradigms. Because in that space, we find we are drawn deeper into the life that God shares with us. Friends, the good news that we hold on to today is that because of what God has done in Christ, God's forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation is poised and ready to be poured out on us. Therefore, we can come out of hiding, name where we're really at, trusting that God waits patiently for us there ministering communion and love right in the midst of our messy reality. So this Lent, let us embrace telling the truth about ourselves and about the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.